0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the 1% Club. If you guys want access to all my MMA plays, join the Discord by clicking the link below. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 1% Club podcast. Another good week on the Discord, up units. Um... Strickland over one and a half kind of, kind of got us, but we were, we were, I I actually had the over one and a half in that, and I had uh, the fight to go the distance. It kind of cost me, but man, I I thought for sure Strickland was going to wrestle a little bit more. Uh, Yeah, I guess, you know, that's the MMA. That's how, that's how it happens. Still profitable week. That's all you can ask for whenever, uh, whenever you're, whenever you're betting, especially at that level, you know what I mean? We, I think we missed like two plays the whole night, you know, so that's, it was a, a great, uh, great night either way. So we had a couple of things. One, we had international fight week. So I didn't have a, uh, I did not have a, a, a fighter to corner this week. So I went into international fight week thinking that it was going to be a much more relaxing week for me. And I could not have been more wrong. It was the exact opposite of that, uh, which was great. It was great. I mean, international fight week is awesome. We did signings. I did a ton of interviews. We launched the podcast officially on fight pass. So we're partnering with uh, UFC fight pass. You'll be able to catch exclusive we have an exclusive show on UFC fight pass. And then as well as our, our typical platforms as well. So make sure you guys check not only just our platform, YouTube, Apple, RSS, uh, Spotify, but also we'll have exclusive content on UFC fight pass, which leads me to my next thing. The, the invitational, I don't know how I keep getting matched up with the fucking mountain from game of Thrones. This has been twice now. And the first one was Ricardo Evangelista. And he's every bit of 260, multiple time world champion. Uh, he fucks me up. And then I draw this kid. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, he was a big boy. He looked like he's 6'7, 273, I think is what he weighed. And he, he's the fucking mountain from Game of Thrones.
1: Did you know who was going out each time? or
0: No. So you pick your order. We did, but you pick your order at weigh ins. But you don't know the other team's order until the day of.
1: I'm going to put up a picture of this guy just so the guys I didn't see can he's get fucking huge. He's fucking he's huge. He's a big dude.
0: He's huge. And I listen, I have an ego and I can't just do the dance around thing with the big guy. It, it's so boring to me. I can't do the dance around thing where it's like I'm disengaging, I'm not engaging. I want to grapple an MMA guy because it's just different. Like it, it, the sport in jiu-jitsu and MMA jiu-jitsu is like ping pong and tennis. It they, they look the same, but it's not. And I'm not good at sport jiu-jitsu. I'll just be honest with you guys. I'll just be honest with you guys. So anyway, I got matched up with the mountain from Game of Thrones and got my fucking ass whooped. But there's a funny story. There's a Kyle, a guy named Kyle, Kyle Bohm. Kyle, but I don't know how I'm pronouncing this right now. 10th Planet Black Belt. He's really good. He was on my team. Really good. And I said, uh, we're like, we're like an hour out, which is typically when I start my warm-up, right? And I say, you know, I do my stretches and all that stuff. And I say, Kyle, and like Kyle. Kyle is for sure killed somebody. I don't know who or how many people, but he just has that demeanor about him that he doesn't say anything. He just sits there, barely warmed up. And I said, I said, Kyle, do you want to do one on one? And for those of you not listening, like one on one is like, uh, it's like, hey man, let's just like do takedowns to warm up, right? It's it's a typical thing. Like we'll do takedowns. There's no real defense or anything like that. I said, do you want to do one on one to to warm up? He said, yeah, no problem. But it wasn't like yeah, no problem. It was like yeah, no problem. Like serial killer, like. So we slap hands and Kyle just proceeds to fuck me up, like maul me. It, it was not one-on-one. One. It was like 100-0 to zero. and there was no back and forth. And I, at some point I thought Kyle was going to be like, he, he just fucked me up. I, I, don't, I don't know any other way. I don't know any other way to put it. I thought Kyle would be like, okay, you wrote it, like maybe in jujitsu, one on one's a little different, you know, like, cause there's like, you just wrestle, take, you don't even finish the takedown. You just warm up.
1: Is this the guy that came out last for your team?
0: He was first first okay first because
1: the guy who came out last
0: andy andy's a ninja andy andy's uh he just qualified for adcc i think he's really good like one of the better grapplers in the sport right now really good grappler really good noogie grappler I've, I've grappled with him quite a bit the dude is super legit he's a very very good grappler uh probably the probably the best grappler on our team to be honest with you uh kyle is there too though and i i think the the matchup that Kyle got was just very, the guy was very dismissive, not really trying to, which I don't blame the guy, you know, Kyle's like 230, a black belt, really good, strong as a, I mean, he's strong as shit. Anyway, I said, Kyle, let's go one-on-one. There was no one, he just fucked me up and like subbed me like repeatedly. And like, I'm not even, it started as me not really trying, right? Because I'm like, I'm thinking like, hey, we're we're warming up together. Maybe this is how he goes through his process or whatever. So as he subs me, I'm like, okay, cool, boom, I got it, and then we go again, and he takes me down again, and then I was like, I'm trying to like, okay, dude, like, I understand, we're not warming up anymore, and then he like, fucks me up again, and then again, he, he just mauled me for like, five or ten minutes straight, and I was like, alright, good job, Kyle, and I go sit down, I sit next to Selecki. I was like, Joe, you want to go one-on-one, <laughs> and we actually, we actually warmed up, and I didn't get my ass whipped. anyway, Kyle's for sure killed somebody. Uh, He's just got that demeanor. But more importantly, he's an amazing grappler. Fun to compete. It's the first time I met him. Great grappler. Uh, I was really happy with my team. And uh, to be honest, I think as a team, like, I just think it was rough luck. I think if Kyle would have been matched up with the mountain, we would have been okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think they would have canceled each other out. And I think the rest of our team would have been fine. Anyway, we got fucked up. So the mountain crumbled all over us and we couldn't do shit about it. Yeah. But during International Fight Week, the the main thing I typically get a lot of people come up to me and they say like, James, you know, you took that fight on 24 hours notice. You're the man. You know, that's the thing. That's kind of my thing. Oh, you're such a badass coach, blah, blah. Everybody came up to me and talked about the Bryce Mitchell story. So that was just the best story that I had. Right. But I have another one and I want to I want to. I figured, you know, why not? We just, let's just keep expanding on the Bryce Mitchell saga. So we go to uh TJ Brown. We're there for TJ Brown. We go to his weigh-in dinner and TJ wanted Italian. So we pick Piero's. Like if you don't know who, if you don't know what Piero's is, Piero's is an old Italian place, like old, old. This is where like the mobsters went like, you know, Al Capone, like all these guys, like they've, they've sit in these booths that we're sitting in. It's an old school like old school Italian place where the mobsters of Vegas used to, used to chill. I mean, our tab was like four or $500. So you understand like, it's not a, it's, it's a nice, nice place. Right. And, and he's, Rice is already a heathen. He's already a heathen, but bro, I can't make this up the whole time. This is a Piero's glass, right? This is fit soda. It's actually amazing. If you guys don't have this, it's killer stuff. Anyway, Piero's glass right here. The whole the whole time I was eating dinner, Bryce was next to me. And I thought it would be good to sit next to him because we hadn't really connected a ton. It was I was like, I'm gonna sit next to Bryce and we're gonna talk. The first thing he does when you sit down <laughs> and then sits it like literally on the table next to me. I said, Bro, you're just gonna fucking leave that there? He said, Yeah, I got phlegm. I got phlegm. I gotta get it out. I gotta I gotta get it out of me. I got the phlegm in there. And so I like kind of busted him up. I said, bro, you're a heathen. And he's got this new girlfriend, which we, we heard about last time. I said, bro, this girl's not going to sit. You're not going to take this girl to Piero's and have a, a glass of loogies sit next to her. So, so his mother grabs it and he puts it next to him like this. So I sit next to Piero's. Once again, our tab's like 400 four or $500. I sit next to Piero's where Al Capone once said, only I had a fucking glass of loogies. And I'm telling you, it's a quarter of the way full. A glass of like snot And the nastiest shit that Bryce Mitchell could spit up. And it it was, he's, I just can't, and once again, the moral of all this is like, he was just flabbergasted that I would even say something. Like, he didn't know what he was doing wrong. Bryce Mitchell lives on a different planet. And I think that's why he's so good at fighting is because nobody's told him that he's not as good as the guy he's fighting. Like, nobody along the way was like, Bryce, you're probably not going to beat this guy. And he just, he lives on planet Bryce and we'll just kill the day. You know what I mean? And he's, as a fighter, he's relentless. I can go on and on about his actual skill as a person and his, and his, his, uh, personality. He's a heathen. He's a heathen, but it all comes from a place of love. And I'm just so like, I couldn't even be mad at him because the Piero's incident happened before he jerked off on my floor. And I was just so flabbergasted. Piero's happened the night before he jerked off on my floor the day of the fight. I was just so flabbergasted. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how could you possibly think this is okay? And there was just no disconnect. Like, he couldn't fathom why I would even say what I did.
1: How did Bryce react to, uh, have you been talking to him since you? Oh, he hasn't said it? a word. I
0: asked him if it was okay. Like, I, I called him and asked him. hey, man, is it cool? If, uh, and, well, I asked him, I said, hey, man, when can we get you on the, on the podcast? And he's like, ah, I, got the, I got the pigs and I got to take care of the farm, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, um, give me a month. Okay, I'll give you a month. So we're gonna get Bryce on the on the podcast, luckily. <clears throat> but I asked him if it was okay. He said he was like, "Yeah, I don't got no problem with it at all." He said some other various stuff that I'll leave out, but he's a national treasure. I'm just telling you guys. Fast forward, we 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 launched the 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 podcast, International Fight Week. We launched the podcast, uh, Fight Pass, UFC Fight Pass official partner for us. I got to do it with uh, Bo Nickel. I just want to talk about him for a second because if you watch the show, you can go back and watch the show. It's on a live setting. I think they did like a mashup of like five different podcasts, but that kid, he has the right mindset and watching him compete. He's, you could tell he's just a freak athlete. Like the dude was going against guys way better at jujitsu than him and held his own more than so. And you could tell he's just got heavy hips. He understands, he understands grappling. He may not understand jujitsu, but he understands grappling and, uh, I think this kid is going to be super, super good. Because he signed it? Yeah. So, so we talked about that on the, on the episode. He just, yes, he just made his debut, knocked out, didn't take a single shot. I might add, knocked out a guy that he should have knocked out, but he looked great doing it. He's making his contender series debut in August, I believe. And he's one and know making his contender series debut. And I think he's going to do great. I really do. I think he's going to do just fine. He's got a great camp in ATT. Uh, you could tell his, his training is like he's saying all the right things. Like I, my, my, my number one goal is not just to be a world champion. He wants to be the pound-for-pound pound best fighter on the planet. He wants to go to contender series. He's going to get signed, I'm guessing, by contender on contender series. I just can't imagine some guy with 10 fights or less saying, yo, I'm going to go stop Bo Nichols' takedown and I'm going to sprawl and brawl on this guy. Like who says that? Who's going to do that? You'll Find me, find me a, a, a 5 or 10 fight guy or less that's going to stop that takedown. I just don't see it. I got to think they're going to match this kid up accordingly. Even, dude, even, I think there's guys, maybe even in the top 15, he's just, he is literally one of the best wrestlers on the planet. We're talking about a guy that wrestled at at Penn State, three-time national champion at Penn State. I mean, he's taking down guys that their life goal is not to be taken down. Now, I will say this. The one thing that we haven't seen from him yet is his ability to mold the striking with the wrestling. But I just can't imagine, I can't imagine a, an 85 or a guy that walks in at 200. It's. I mean, I, I can name you five guys in that division right now that I feel like he can go in and just beat off wrestling alone. You know, like there's going to be guys that it doesn't matter how good they are. He's just going to take them down. And that, that's just what he's done his whole life. He started wrestling at five years old, I think he said. There's just going to be guys where... He can go call a shot. Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the pipe single to, to run by double. And he's going to be able to do it. You know, there's going to be guys where he's going to be able to do that too. So he is – I'm really excited to watch his debut on Contender Series. Hopefully, we get to see some adversity. My guess is we're probably not, though. You know, it's going to take somebody, I think, in the UFC that's got some experience to really give him uh, some, some adversity. So – I'm really excited to watch him. Uh, really nice guy, saying all the right things. Like as a as a coach, like I want to hear some of the things he's saying, and I and I do believe I do believe him. It's genuine. He really thinks this, and he trains hard, and he lives the life, uh, dedicates to his craft. Has a very direct set of where he wants to go. Uh, so I look at him as a as a really top prospect. And there's another one that I want to touch on because I kind of shaded him a little bit last week, and that's Ian Gary. And I thought not that I shaded him, but I just thought Gabe green would be a slightly more difficult matchup and I could not have been more wrong Ian, the the time that he's had from this fight to the last fight he looked incredible right he looked incredible the 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 jumps that he's made the improvements that he's made were amazing his range control he's uh he's what I call a chipper he was just, and kind of fights like I did like just sits back and just chips away at you chips away at you and uh i i I expected green to to uh, give him some more problems than he did.
1: Green was coming on with pressure, like we said he was going. And he
0: dealt with it. He dealt with it, dealt with it perfectly. Dealt with it. With, uh, I, honestly, he dealt with it kind of with ease. You know what I mean? Like there was
1: speed as well.
0: He's very fast. He stays long. He's got a great jab. Uh, he's I see him starting to mix in the danger factor now. You know what I mean? Like he hurt Gabe Green, who's notoriously tough. He hurt him a couple times. You see him. He's throwing those high knees. One of those are going to land. You know what I mean? One of those are going to land on one of these guys. Uh, I would not be surprised if you see a high knee knockout from him really soon. He's throwing it. It's not landing quite yet, but I see him. I see the gears turning. He's starting to find himself out there. He's starting to gain confidence with a great team at Sanford. And uh, those guys are the master at fundamentals. You know, Henry Hoof is the master of fundamentals. So I, I see so much improvement on his end. So I'm I'm excited to watch his next fight. And he's 24. And he's a baby. He's 24 years old, man. He's a baby. So that uh, those two prospects, Bo Nickel, Ian Gary – Man, I, I wasn't sold on Ian Gary. I'll be honest with you guys. I was not sold on him. And I thought, I thought the pressure would get to him at some point. And he showed that he can deal with it this, this, this last time. He looked really good, man. I'm excited to watch. You know, there's a lot of good matchups for him in that division. I'm excited to see who he gets paired with and, and see how he handles it. Because I, I thought he looked really good against the opponent, which I thought he was going to win. But I thought Gabe would give him some problems, and he did not. He dealt with it uh, perfectly. Uh, moving on. Let's go. Let's just let's just talk about uh UFC 276. First of all, I was there live. The energy in that, especially during the Undertaker walkout, absurd. It was crazy. The whole thing was nuts. O'Malley Munoz was kind of a letdown, but before the before the and by the way, I do think the eye poke was legit. I do. I've had that happen before in fights. It's a it's called a corneal abrasion, and just for you guys at home, I've had this happen many times. The way that I always know if somebody's faking or if they're not is, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Whenever you get poked in the eye, your eyes are sympathetic. So if somebody's doing this and they're like, oh, I can't see, I can't see, and this eye is fine, they're faking. 100% they're faking. But if this eye gets scratched, you, when you open it, you can't, you can't open both. Like Both are closed. And I've had it happen many times. And he said he couldn't see for 20 minutes. They have to go put a numbing cream in your, uh, in your eye. And then they put what's called a, uh, a con- it's a contact, essentially. It's like a, a bandage contact. And what it does is the best way to describe it is whenever your eye gets scratched, imagine your eyeball has these little like tentacle things that just, it just rips the, the, uh, the cornea off. And when your eyelid opens and closes, it just pulls, it pulls. So the contact creates separation between those, right? So the contact as the, it just slides over the eyeball, so the, the eyelid doesn't pull you're you're corny, if that makes sense. And everything that Pedro was saying was legit to me. You know, that's I've been there before and it sucks. But it was kind of a letdown and kind of t- took away from O'Malley's potential win. You know what I mean? I don't want to say it was a win, but he was looking really good. You know, he was looking uh, amazing as far as I'm concerned. I and I think for the first time I'm 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 just excited to see how far that kid can go. He's got got the it factor about him, and I'm excited to see how far. He can go. There's a lot of a uh, lot of matchups to make for for Sean O'Malley right now. Lawler, Barbarina, good lord, Barton burner. Those dude, I I could watch those guys fight. That's how weekend. Robbie had him beat? He did until he didn't. That's the story of Brian Barbarina's career. Uh, he's uh amazing. I mean, he looks he looks great, and he's kind of had a little resurgence. You know, he's he's winning he's winning fights. He's winning fights, and he's tough. I've coached against him. He's tough. And Cowboy retired. Cowboy retired. That's that was a that was a big one, and dude, it was time. You know what I mean? I think it was time. You could just tell the passion's not there for him anymore.
1: I'm glad he went out like that, and not in a pool of blood.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, man. There's I, that's the tough part about the sport is there's no great time to be done. You know, but I think I think that fight was a. Uh, it just seemed, it just seemed like he wasn't even sad. He was relieved. You know what I mean? And that that is a great indicator of when you made the right decision, in my opinion. And he, I think he even said this in an interview. He said uh, it was something along the lines of, I'm the best I've ever been at the lowest point. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the highest I've ever been at the lowest point or something. It was something along those lines. Like, I'm the happiest I've ever been after losing is essentially what I heard, you know? And that tells me it's probably time for you to, 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 to cash in. And he's had a great career. Great career. AP and Izzy. Well, first of all, AP, Alex Pereira. Is it Pereira or Paheya? I think so too, but I've, I've heard people call him Pereira. Anyway, Alex Pagella, Pereira, <clears throat> he he's just a hammer. That left hook, that, the left hook, you can go back and watch other fights in his career. The left hook looks like it doesn't even do anything. Like if you're watching it live, it, it, it just looks like it grazes. But when that left hook comes is bad news. That was the only thing that worried me. I thought, strickland would for sure wrestle i thought he would clinch at least bank some of the rounds and then if the finish came it would be late after he couldn't clinch anymore and that kind of that kind of screwed me and i'll be honest with you if we played that if we played that matchup 10 times i would play that again i would uh and i think strickland landed i think him landing with that jab early Is what you know what I mean he he got some confidence from him and Pereira if you watch him he jabs the body he jabs the body to get you to those elbows to drop and then he just swings that left hook like a fucking hammer over top and annihilates whatever he touches with it which sets up for sure sets up the fight with Izzy like there's nobody else like that's Pereira and Izzy is the fight and there's from a marketing standpoint that's the one you gotta make because Pereira is the only person to knock out Izzy beat him you know he's the only person to beat him. Period, and that was a kickboxing. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think I saw an opening line of, of Izzy minus one sixty five.
1: Yeah, it was actually minus one eighty, and it's now minus one sixty. So the money's coming for AP.
0: So, you know, I don't know. Here's my problem with that. I don't know if Pereira can beat him over, over twenty five minutes. I don't. Know, you know what I mean? Like if he beats him, I think he's gonna finish him. I think he's got to. I don't think he's gonna beat him over twenty five minutes, bro. I, I don't. I don't think he's better. I don't think he's better. You know, if you're saying, hey, this fight, if you're telling me Izzy versus Pereira, there's no knockout, Izzy wins. Yeah, if I have, if I if if Izzy and Pereira fight tomorrow and I have $10,000 to put down, I'm picking Izzy money line at minus 160 and I'm going to hedge with Pereira by knockout. That's how I would play that because I don't see Pereira beating him over the course of 25 minutes.
1: I would assume that the Pereira by KO line is going to be very similar to the Pereira money line.
0: Probably so. It's gonna be plus money either way, though. You know, it's gonna be I, like if 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 he's what is he like plus one thirty five. I mean, even if you get, let's say, you get plus one fifty, plus one seventy. I gotta think it's still worth it to 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 hedge that bet. But I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if you see this line continue to drop. I think I think the money's gonna come in on on Pahaya. I really do. Uh, so many good fights this weekend. Uh. Alex Volkanovsky, if you guys listened to the podcast last week, I said play whoever you're going to think is going to win by decision. Volk by decision was plus 100, I believe. The, and I, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm a little disappointed in myself about this because I said play by decision, and I met that. I met the, I played the over, and I played the fight to go the distance. The one thing I did not account for was the cut. I didn't account for the cut. I knew he wasn't going to knock Max out, but I didn't account for the cut. And I'll be honest with you. If that was another referee, they may have stopped that fight. That was – he – there was a point in that fight where it was Mark Goddard, I believe. There was a point in that fight where it was, like, after the second or third round, I was, I was like, front row. And he looked at Max, and he kind of goes, like, winks at him, like, I'm going to let you fight. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, right after it happened, Max looked at him, like, I'm kind of worried. And and Mark was, like – he winked at him, like, I got you. Like, I'm going to let you keep going. And, man – the durability of, of Holloway is nuts. But let's talk about how fucking good Alex Volkanovsky is. And I can't, I can't stress to you guys at home, that if you take Volkanovsky out, Max is the champion and nobody is touching him. Nobody. Nobody. So it's Volk, Max, Next. And it's not even close, but Volk didn't lose a fucking round to Max. And honestly, I don't think any of them were really even close. Didn't
1: lose a second in the whole fight.
0: Did not lose a second. And he kind of beat Max up. And I love Max. I'm a huge Max fan. Volkanovsky, I said this last week, I said he covers distance safely better than anybody in the sport of MMA. And not only do I stand by that comment, I reinforce that comment. Because he is so good at controlling the space in between him and his opponent and it looked like a fucking 25er fighting a welterweight out there and he's still just dominated still dominated the range dominated the exchanges and he looks so goddamn strong he looks so strong how do you how do you beat that guy you can't knock him out he doesn't get tired he hits hard as a truck he's hard to take down he's got great wrestling he doesn't make mistakes Dude, he, I'm telling you guys, he is Alex Volkanovsky is the Tim Duncan of MMA. He doesn't do anything sexy, but that motherfucker puts points on the board every time he gets the ball. He puts points on the board. He doesn't miss shots. He's he's clutching game time. Dude, I'm telling you guys, that dude, he is. I said this, I said this about uh, Valentina Shevchenko. and She kind of made me look stupid. I said she might be the closest thing to a perfect fighter. And then she fought Tyree Santos. Almost lost. Alex Volkanovsky is the closest thing to a perfect fighter. He just doesn't make mistakes. Go find a mistake he made. He doesn't make mistakes. Does he get hit? Yes. But he doesn't make mistakes, man. He, I'm telling you, he's the Tim Duncan of MMA. The most fundamentally sound fighter in all of MMA right now, Alex Volkanovsky. And I don't think it's even fucking close.
1: Does he just move up there? Uh,
0: the best chance somebody has, and you, I'm, this may be an unpopular opinion, the best chance somebody has to beat him, in my opinion, is Yair Rodriguez, and that's just because of that insanely high danger factor. Volk will probably take him down and dominate him, but the danger factor is there. I just don't see anybody beating Volkanovski over the course of 25 minutes. I don't say I don't see anybody saying, "Hey, I'm better than you for 25 minutes." Who? Max has destroyed the whole division, and he just destroyed Max. I know Styles that you know MMA math doesn't always work, but fuck, sometimes it does. You know what I mean? Like it. Who? Who else? I don't. I mean, Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, give give him a crack. I'm I'm there for it. You know, uh, I I don't see it. Yeah, winner of that problem is is he just beat Ortega. So if Yair wins that, he'll for sure get next pop. I think, but I don't think that's. I mean, you you're gonna have to get hit him, catch him with something because I don't think anybody in that division's better than him. You know, and you know what's crazy is like, I may this may come back to haunt me later, but. I don't know if he's gonna do well at 55. He's small. <clears throat> like, I've just I'm imagining him with like a guy like Chandler, Poirier. Those guys are like, those guys are a lot bigger than him. A lot bigger than him. Like Volk's not a huge guy. I'm guessing he walks in the cage at like 60, 62, 65. If you fight Justin Poirier, he's gonna walk in the cage at 180, 180, 182, maybe 180, I'm guessing 80. Chandler same seventy five eighty, you know these guys are gonna have a ten pound or better difference on him. I just don't I don't. It's hard for me to say that that he's gonna beat those guys. I just don't see it. I don't I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, I, would, I would I want to find out. It's almost like when Max moved up and fought those. You know there was an evident size discrepancy. There was a
0: big big difference there, and we saw him get hurt for the first time. You know, like even Volk Volk is putting out some good power lately. And I'll be honest, I think if I think Volk could have finished. If he would have like the last minute of that fight, he looked like he was just like I'm gonna. And dude, when have we ever seen Volkanovski like swag out? Kind of like, dude, he he's good. good, man. He's good. He may have been able to finish that fight if he would have started pressing a little earlier. Uh, maybe so, man. He he. I, I I've never seen anybody do that to uh to Max except for. Dustin Poirier, who is a 55 or slash 70 pounder. This guy can can compete at 170, no problem. I mean, Poirier gets up to like 90, 95. Like he's a big dude. So I just I man, I'm here for Volkanovski at 55. I'd love to see it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that though. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how I feel about him going against the elites in that division. You know, Oliveira, I don't know. I just don't know. Islam? I don't know, you know. Okay, imagine, imagine you say Volkanovski's next fight is the winner of Oliveira Islam. I'm like, mm,
1: you know, I'd love to see it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm here. I'll buy the. I'll pay the seventy five bucks for the pay per view. No problem. No problem. I just. I don't know. I don't know how he's gonna do. But he. I, but he looks insanely strong. Let's go to be the main event. Izzy Cannonier fight just went exactly how I thought it was gonna do. I said Cannonier needs to get get in the clinch. When he got in the clinch. He did some good work. Izzy is just so good at controlling range. He controls the space in between. Those city kickboxing guys are so good at controlling the space in between them and their opponent. The best, the best, consistently with their team. Uh, Izzy, uh, Volkanovski, Hooker. You know, I know we got Kai coming up. I know, you know, that's that's a, that's something I've looked at. It's a know? problem
1: for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no,
0: yeah. I've looked at it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. T- I'm not too naive to to talk about. The issues that we're having in this camp you know I, mean? I say issues but like but you're also facing a guy brandon moreno who's one of the best at at, at killing distance with power and violence you know so yeah yeah Kai and moreno is going to be nuts so that's shoot we're less than a month out now i worked with brandon this morning he is on one right now on one right now
1: now we're sidetracking a little bit but i know you had megan fight for title am i right
0: i'm Owen too. two tim elliott and megan anderson
1: were you in? Was that when Tim we fought oh, DJ? Yeah.
0: yeah, I cornered him. I was, I coached him for that fight.
1: I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So you are on two.
0: Oh, and two, man. Life goal of mine is to win a UFC title as a coach.
1: Do you approach anything differently when, like, when you are cornering for a championship title fight?
0: I try not to let it to. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I mean, I it would. I would be lying to you if I said the implications on fights don't. Uh, mean anything you know what I mean like they for sure like just the the uh big lights you know big drama that that'll get you jittery you know what I mean but I don't look at I don't look at nerves as a bad thing I think uh <coughs> there's there's I, I read this one time as when I was a fighter and it made me feel so much better about about getting nervous and they said you need three things you need three things to be locked in the zone like in the zone you know have you ever been on like a day like, I know you don't fight, but have you ever had a day where it's just like you can't miss everything that you touch just is gold. You're just locked in. You're in the zone. Everything that you do is gold. And like the fighters have those days. The thing that you need with those is you need three things. You need a little bit of nerves, not too much. You need a little bit of nerves, heightens the senses, like it, it flares the sin, the senses. Like if there's a burning car, you're able to you know pick out a 300 pound man or woman or whatever that it heightens this, the senses with the adrenaline, you need a change in venue. It can't be your normal, normal place. It has to be somewhere a little different. And then the last thing is, is you, you need a a heightened sense of consequence, right? So you need nerves, you need change of venue and you need consequence. The consequence being you can get knocked out, you know? So, uh, but the nerves are a good thing. You have to have nerves. You have to have nervous energy in order to be locked in the zone. So that's how I look. I look at nerves as a good thing. Yeah, Izzy Cannoneer, we can sit here and say whatever you want to say about Cannoneer and how he could have done this and should have done this. I'm telling you guys, Izzy controls range. He co- controls the space better than anyone. It's it's not that it's not a lack of willingness from Cannoneer's part. It's just if you can't touch somebody, you can't touch him. And you can't find him. He's got good feet. He's got good range. You can't find Izzy out there. He's so hard to find. And... I will say this. I think there should have been a point and there was some glimpses of it where Cannoneer should have said, listen, I'm going to try to knock this dude out and I'm going to get knocked out in the process. You know what I mean? Like with Izzy, I feel like you got to just lay it all out there. And that dude, that's so easy for me to say though. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here in a fucking chair right now. But Izzy controls space better than anyone. It's, It's not a lack of effort. It's just a lack of like, I can't find this guy out there. I can't get my hands on him. I can't get my feet to find him. And, and he's picking at you. He's a chipper. He's probably the best chipper in the world. And he stays dangerous. He'll, he'll throw glimpses of like, oh, no, that could end the fight. And he'll throw that out there with that check hook lean or that high kick he throws. He was even great in the clinch this time. Worked awesome in the clinch. It's just, it's hard to beat a guy that's good everywhere. Why are we
1: seeing shit for Adesanya? Because he he, he, if he can point, fight, and win, is that not the right thing to do?
0: The fans are very fickle, and I know he's gotten heat for that. But that's not his responsibility. That's not his responsibility to make the fight exciting. He is the champion. He is banking the rounds. He is winning the rounds. He won every single round with the exception of maybe one. Fairly clear. Was it exciting? No, but he was clearly doing more damage, landing cleaner shots, controlling the space, the aggression. He was doing all that. Was it exciting? No, but that's not his problem. That's not his problem. It's on the opponent to make things exciting. You need to go take that belt. You know. And once again, it's it, it's not a lack of... It's not a lack of effort. That's why everybody's like, oh, Cannonier should have did this and Cannonier should have done that. Oh, I would have done this. No, dude, you can't find the guy. You he can't find him, man. He controls range too good. He's got too good of feet. He's, his head movement is, is on a swivel all the time. He's hard to hit, he's hard to find. So Cannonier tries to clinch. He can't beat him in the clinch. He was just, you know, it's, it, you just can't find the guy. The guys on the couch are like, oh, I would have done this. You wouldn't have done shit. You wouldn't have done anything. Izzy would be behind you Punching you in the head You know what I mean? It's like fighting an octopus You're getting hit from all different, all different places And then whenever you turn He's behind you again like, It's not a lack of effort it's a, it's a lack of Technical know-how To find him physically With your feet With your hands it, I'm telling you it's, it's just different At that level It's different You'll see Fight Night Let's talk about it uh, let's, let's pick apart the main card Or let's just talk about A couple matchups that I like here <coughs> David Onama was meant to fight this weekend. God damn it. Podger's <clears throat> trying to piss me off talking about Onama getting pulled. All right, yesterday I was just talking a mess about how my boy David Onama didn't have a fight. And here we go. We got a we got a matchup late last night. I say late last night. Yesterday evening, got a matchup. Uh, Garrett Armfield, who's he's at Sanford MMA now. Uh, but he's from Springfield. And these two have fought each other before. At the time, David was 10 and 0. Garrett was six and zero, and this was as amateurs. So they fought, and I just rewatched the fight last night. I don't put a lot of stock into the into the fight, but it was it was a really good fight. If it's on YouTube, it's on YouTube under uh, at the time it was K KCFA, but it's actually F A T- KCFA has turned into FAC now. So uh, there's some history between these two; they know each other well. Um, and I think it's I think it's going to be a, a fun fight. Garrett Garrett likes to strike. He Comes from a, a slightly wrestling background, but I, he he wants to strike. David wants to strike. And uh, I think these guys have what it takes to make a really, really fun fight.
1: So Garrett just came in off a strong performance, winning the belt.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that is another FAC champion that's getting signed to the UFC. Uh, every every featherweight champion that the FAC has had has went on to the UFC. That's a pretty cool stat. And then now, I believe Garrett is the only 35-pound champion we've had. I'm pretty sure. Um, and now he's going on. So it's really cool also, the FAC is producing, you know, champions that go on to the big show later, which is, which is super dope. Uh, and I'm happy for Garrett. You know, I know he's fighting my guy. He's fighting David. And I think we're going to win, obviously. But I'm happy for the kid. He's, he's, a, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's fun to watch. I've, I've always enjoyed him. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited for him, too. It's a good fight. It's going to be a fun fight.
1: You're no stranger to short-notice fights. Yeah, no. So, no. How much can you? How much work can you put into your opponent at a stage like this?
0: Well, I I think that I'm assuming Garrett's been training, right? He he always tends to to train year round, so he's not a guy that does camps and stuff like that. And the fight's at 145. He's typically a 35er, so I think the uh, you know typically the short notice portion is the weight cut, and I don't think that'll be a factor here. So I don't. As far as game plan goes. I don't I don't think there's going to be a a huge elaborate game plan on either side. Uh I I do think that these guys match up really well with each other. Like they I think it's just a fun stylistic matchup. You know, they're both strikers, they're both dynamic, both pretty durable. Uh and and I don't think either either one of them really have an interest in in taking shots. Now, I I would venture to say that there might be some wrestling here just to mix it up on on both sides probably, but uh yeah, it's it's a it's a fun fight. I don't I just don't I don't know if the short notice matters. If you want know the truth about it, I think these boys I think these boys both train year round. Uh, I, I don't see the short notice being a big factor. I really I really don't. David trains like a madman year round, year round, and he lives the life. You know, there's guys that train a lot, and there's guys that live the life. David lives the life. He goes to you know morning training, uh, evening training. He runs after morning training, and then he goes to Lifetime Fitness after evening training. He lives the life, and uh, it it it's funny because so yesterday. David found out he wasn't gonna fight. Right. And he is at practice and just continues to train. Like it's just it's business as usual with him. Trains, went and ran after. Literally was at Lifetime Fitness when I called him and said, Hey man, there's a high possibility that you're gonna fight. I said, keep your weight low and let's just be ready. And then literally, as I was on the phone with him, they said, Hey, if is David still ready if we make this fight work? Yeah, done. I didn't even, I didn't even ask him. I just replied yes. And as I was on the phone, it's done. Get him on a flight. I booked a flight for two hours. It was seven. It was 7.20. The flight was 9.40. And he was on a plane in uh, two hours and 20 minutes later. Yeah, dude, that's just, I can't tell you how many guys we've had get in the UFC like that. I know David's already been there, but that's the, that's the culture at our gym, I think, you know. And uh, David's ready to fight. He, that's what I love about this kid is David Onama wants to fight. It's not a, it's not a, uh, oh, you know, I don't know. He wants to fight. He wants to fight. and He's not afraid of anybody. He wants he wants to fight. He wants to get in there. He wants to mix it up. And he wants to be great.
1: We'll just move further down the, the card and we'll talk, you know, a little yeah. bit about RDA and Javier Fazeev. RDA and
0: Fazeev is a super interesting matchup because I, I, from, I don't want to dive into the betting portion of it because Shay and I are going to get on later this week and break down the whole main card. But I'll dive into this one a little bit. From a betting perspective, I think we're sitting at RDA like plus two twenty or plus two hundred five or something like that. I think it's plus two twenty, plus one ninety now. It's dropped. Okay, and and even there, I think there's some value. I, I do think he's being disrespected on these on these lines a little bit. If you look at RDA's last losses, he's lost to like the elite of the welterweight division, Usman. Uh, he lost to the uh, Kiesa. He lost to Usman. He lost to uh, Leon Edwards, and then there's a Colby Covington. Those, I mean, we're talking like the top three, the top three elites of that division. And, you know, even Kiesa is right there, too. So we're talking about four of the, the baddest top ten welterweights on the planet that he's lost to. And he's looked good against some of them, I might add. Beat Moicano and pretty, pretty decisively, but also people are forgetting, watch what he did to Neil Magny. Go back and watch what RDA did to Neil Magny. I mean cut through him like butter, dominated the feet, take down, pass, 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 arm triangle, if I remember correctly, like just completely dominated that fight from bell to bell. I believe it was first or second round. No, RDA's strength of schedule may be one of the toughest in the UFC. Find me somebody that's still in the UFC that has a tougher strength of schedule than him or just as you're, you're just not going to find very many. His, his strength of schedule is superb. And whenever I'm looking at uh, from a betting perspective, that's one of the first things I look at is is path to victory and strength of schedule. Those are really big for me. So I feel like, you know, Fazeev fighting Bobby Green, there's a little bit of an X factor there for me because he slowed down a lot. And that was three rounds. I do think, however, Bobby Green is really good at making people miss and hitting people with offbeat rhythm stuff. And that will exhaust you over time. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's... Uh, I don't think that's going to be like a, a a big thing. I don't think the cardio is going to be as big of a thing as people are making it out to be. I think that was a one off. I think that was Green making a miss. I think it was hitting him in weird angles. I don't see that being the deal here because RDA is a really fundamentally he punches on rhythm, you know. Uh he's not going to hit you with anything you don't see coming typically. But He's a live dog, man. He, he, I mean, he's. Look, what, the, the best comparable fight that I can tell you is Paul Felder. And if you look at that on paper, I know it's a split decision. But if you rewatch that fight, it was not a split decision. It wasn't even close, in my opinion. It was, I think, if I remember correctly, you can argue like 4, four 1 5 0. Oh. I, don't, I don't even remember it being close at all. I don't know how that was a split decision. But I think RDA is being disrespected on this line. However, Faziv is an elite in that lightweight division. He, he may be one of the best strikers in that division, if not the best striker. But what we haven't seen is his ability to A, stop a takedown, and B, get back up when he's taken down. He's been matched up with strikers so far, so it's really difficult for us to, to put a gauge on that. As it sits right now, if I had a gun to my head, I would play Fazeev straight up, and then I would look at RDA by maybe decision. The only thing about that that worries me is I feel like RDA could catch a sub late. That's what really worries me here. RDA's jujitsu is very, very good, very good. His his ground control is very good. He uh, he typically doesn't sub people though. He it's a ground control thing that he's very good at. But his jujitsu is remarkable. And if you want to know how good it is, watch the Magni fight. He buzzed through him. I mean, destroyed him on the ground. It wasn't even close. And that was at welterweight. RDA's not a welterweight. He's a he is a lightweight. So. That really kind of worries me, and we'll break this down on the show with Shay. I think we'll put it out Thursday or Friday, but uh, <clears throat> that worries me a little bit that we would lose both sides of that. So Fazeev, I think Fazeev's takedown defense, from what I'm hearing in the gym, is very good, and his cardio is superb, from what I'm hearing. Because
1: we know we got tired before, I wonder, you know, going into championship rounds.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think the cardio is going to be an issue here. I don't. I think the only reason that the cardio was an issue for Faziv was two things. Bobby Green is one of the best at not getting hit. And it takes a lot more energy to swing and miss than it does a swing and swing and connect. And then two, Bobby Green is gonna hit you. He like he's gonna hit you, and that takes energy out of you too. So I think he just wasn't used to the the type of fight that's that's Bobby Green brings to the table. And you know, I think Bobby got a little got under his skin a little bit, made him emotional, you know, and Fazeev is Faziv he hits hard and he's gonna to try to hit you hard. And I think Bobby Green got underneath his skin a little bit and uh and and made him you know try to knock him out, I guess. You know, and Bobby's not easy to hit. So I think with RDA, you're gonna see a much more uh, fundamental A B style is what I call it, like rhythm, you know, two, three low kick, one, two, three, you know, very left, right, left, right. I think you're gonna see RDA is gonna do the things he's supposed to do in front of FaZeev, which which worries me for RDA. You know, I think Fazeev is matches up well with that style of striker to where he could land something big. And if he hits you, good lord. I mean, look what he did to Moicano. That that left hook he hit him with was atrocious. I mean, just out of nowhere, just, it was gross. So, he's a very, very dangerous striker, and I could see a lot of different things happening. I could see Faziv knocking RDA out. I could see RDA submitting him. I could see RDA by decision. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to say I see by decision though, I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just hard for me to imagine that. I think if he, I think if he can stop the takedowns, I think he puts RDA away. I do, I, I do. So, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you guys physique by decision's not going to happen because I mean there's a small chance it could happen, but it's just it, it doesn't seem likely to me. Guys, make sure if you want to see the whole entire breakdown with Shay and I, it'll be available on Friday, and if you want access to all the plays join the discord it it literally has like i know a lot of you guys follow my play of the week and sometimes i miss that and we still profit so make sure you guys are in the discord following that we'll drop uh we'll drop all the main card plays on friday uh like i said make sure you're in the discord make sure you're watching the subscribe like and all that stuff that way you get notifications whenever the next video drops you guys can make some money which is what we're all here for